Welcome to Strong and Free, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the information that you need on the topics of the day. No bias, no conjecture, just facts. So, let's go. For the week of April 8th, hi everybody, it's Christopher. Welcome to another episode of Strong and Free, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the information that you need on the topics of the day. And I will just say before we get into today's topic that I got my first medium.com payment. For those that don't know, I write medium articles on I write medium I write articles on medium.com. Um, the links should be in the description. If they're not, I will update the description. Uh, on the topics that I research for my podcast, I figure it's I might as well write an article while I'm doing a podcast on it and while I'm doing the research for it. Uh, anyhow, I started this about in January or so, and Medium.com has this whole partnership program where the more clicks you get and the more views and the more reads, they'll actually pay you. But it, you need a lot. You need thousands and thousands of, of, of people to not only view it, but to read it and to clap at it or to comment or interact with it in some meaningful way to gain some meaningful money. Um, I will say that I made six cents. My first Medium.com payment is six cents. I need to fill out U.S. tax forms to claim my six cents. So thank you for everybody who's read my Medium articles. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, if you agree, if you disagree, please continue to uh, interact with my articles, comment, leave feedback. I need the feedback. I need to get better. And the only way I can get better is by other people telling me what I'm doing right and most importantly, what I need to work on and what I'm doing fundamentally wrong. But I will say it's great to see that there's an audience for Strong and Free. I always say this in every episode, it seems, but you know, there is, an, there is uh, an audience for people who really want to look at something balanced and stop with the kind of rhetoric that we see and hear all the time. And let's focus a little bit on the fact that there's great things on both sides to take into consideration. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Quebec's ban on religious symbols. So for those that don't know, the Quebec government, the province of Quebec, uh, on March 29th, put forward a bill. And this bill, Bill 21, um, is a bill that bans certain public servants from wearing any type of religious uh, symbol, I guess you could say, uh, in the course of their practices. So, for example, um, a crucifix or a, a necklace with a crucifix, uh, the Jewish kippah or the yarmulke, um, the hijab or the niqab, all of these are religious uh, symbols, and these are banned from being worn by certain public serv- servants in the issuance of their public duties. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. First of all, the look I had on my face was a WTF, what the heck is going on here? I don't think the majority of Canadians or people just in general care too much about what religion our judges, our teachers, our lawyers practice. I don't care. I'm sure many of you don't care. I don't care about my doctor or my police or a police officer uh, wearing a turban or, uh, you know, wearing a hijab so long as they're protecting me and they're doing their their public service, I don't care. So my whole reaction to Bill 21 was WTF. How the heck could this bill pass 
um, in the House uh, and the Quebec legislature and then turn into law. And further, why are so many people in agreement with Bill 21? Don't we see this as a fundamental violation of our human rights to practice our religions freely, regardless of our occupation? You know, I'm sure many of us can relate. Look, I don't care what anyone preaches and believes. As long as it's not hateful and as long as they're not impeding on my freedoms, I really don't care as much. And I'm sure many of us think the same way. But it was interesting to me that not only could a bill like this be passed, but that so many people supported it. So I wanted to know more. And I know there's a lot of reaction online against the Quebec government for what it's doing. And many researchers and and analysts have come forward saying this may uh, instill more violence and more crime and all types of uh, resentment towards the the Quebec government. So I really want to delve into what exactly is Bill 21. But before we get into into that, there's one word that uh, will be prominent throughout this podcast, and that is... My French teacher is going to hate me for this. I'm going to butcher this word, but it's laïcité, laïcité. That is one word that I want you all to keep in mind. The direct translation is secularism, but it's a bit more than that. And we'll get into that. But before that, let's talk a little bit about history. History is very important with Quebec. You see, in the 1960s, Quebec fought really hard. Um, against the federal government, mostly for the recognition of the Francophone community. Uh, The Quebec government, you know, this was the quiet revolution to all my Canadian history buffs out there, but they wanted to make sure that the preservation of the uh, French culture was there as well as the French language. It was so important to keep that strong connection to France as part of Canada's nation building. And anyone who's visited Quebec City and um, uh, the National Assembly in Quebec uh, and has done the tour of the National Assembly, you know, you can kind of feel this emphasis throughout that entire building, just the way in which the Quebec government has constantly reminded Canadians about the very important um, roles and responsibilities that the French people had in the building of Canada as a nation. And part of the Quiet Revolution was preserving the French language as much as possible. So as early as the 1960s, late 1960s, early 1970s, the Quebec government was very much concerned with immigration. You see, the federal government of Canada was promoting uh, multiculturalism. In fact, it turning into a national, um, a federal policy by 1971. The federal government was looking at immigration through an economic lens. In fact, after World World War II, uh, the the drivers for economic growth, at least from the federal government at the time, would be definitely part and parcel of more immigrants coming into Canada. And in order for immigrants to come into Canada, they need to feel welcomed, and they need to make sure that their cultures and practices can continue to be practiced in Canada part of the tolerance aspect of multiculturalism. But Quebec, on its, on the other hand, really fought to control immigration into its province because there was nothing in the charter and in the constitution that said that the provinces had to adhere to the federal government's immigration policies. Now, that's wild to me. You know, it could be with Canada with 10 different uh, uh, provinces, there could be 10 different immigration policies. But You know, outside Quebec, the other nine provinces generally felt that the federal system of 
obtaining immigrants through an economic lens, looking at the best skilled, most qualified, you know, those that are younger that can contribute more to the economy, um, was perhaps the most, you know, kind of rational way of looking at newcomers. But the federal government and the Quebec government kind of hit loggerheads about this. Throughout the 1980s and up to 1990, the Quebec government negotiated a bunch of different accords, modifications to the federal policy, leading to Quebec's own immigration policy by 1990. And the reason for this was that the Quebec government wanted to place more weight on knowledge of the French language than on economic contribution. And so this is how important the French language is to the government of Quebec. They want to make sure that immigrants coming into Quebec are not just economic, but that they can speak the language fluently. And, you know, nothing is more clear than the... um, statistics that show this. So, for example, in 2006, the top three countries of immigrants to Canada were China, India, and the Philippines. For Quebec, it was Algeria, France, and Morocco. And as well, about 65% of new immigrants to Quebec knew the French language before entering the province, as opposed to 4.7% for the rest of Canada. So we can see here that Quebec's push for more um, points uh, attributed to knowledge of the French language actually has had quite dramatic effect on newcomers to, Can- newcomers to Quebec versus newcomers to Canada. And we can do a whole separate argument, art- article, argument, podcast on the economic success of those immigrants to Quebec, but I'll save that for a later date. I want to get back to that concept I raised earlier called laïcité, and I can hear my French teacher from high school just screaming at the top of her lungs and how I'm butchering that word. But I, I say that because that word is really the is the overarching policy uh, that has been gu- that guides Bill Twenty One. So now let me be very clear. The separation of church and state has been going on. That debate has been going on for hundreds of years. But in the French Revolution in 1789, what the French government wanted to do was they wanted to make sure that individuals were respecting the law. And so the two main principles of laïcité, which is uh, secular, which is secularism in a direct translation, but... Uh, the French Revolution wanted to use laïcité for two main reasons. To showcase the freedom of the individual to believe or to not believe in anything that they want or not want to. And the submission of the individual to the laws of the republic. Now, this is very important. So you can believe whatever you'd like to believe or you can choose not to believe. That's your call. But you must, as an individual, submit yourself to the laws of the republic. Now, the second is so important because this, to me, is quite interesting and an interesting um, lens with the French Revolution that fought for individual rights. So there are individual rights and freedoms, but at the end of the day, you must submit to the laws of the land. So what's important here is that uh, some of the aspects of the French Revolution included the freedoms of religion, conscience, and speech. And it wasn't that the architects of the French Revolution were uh, thinking about tolerance of different religions, but 
rather that the state refused to publicly recognize any form of worship. Now, this is very important, right? So it's not that we want to tolerate, quote unquote, every single religion. It's not that. You can believe whatever you want, but we're not going to publicly recognize anyone, any form of worship. Now, this is a very, at the time and perhaps still today, extreme understanding of secularism where it's not only that you um, can, you know, freedom to believe, but that the state will not recognize formally any one religion. Again, very interesting in, in France, I think it's around 70 to 80% of the population is Catholic, I believe, or Christian. Um, don't quote me on that. Do a quick Wikipedia search. Wikipedia search everything I say, by the way. I really hope people are doing that because uh, I, I, I'm not liable. <laughs> I am not liable for anything I say. No, everything I said is, is, is in the research below. But anyhow, uh, it's interesting to see that, um, that the French Revolution focused on individual rights, the submission of those uh, individuals to the rule of law, as well that no religion will be promoted and and um, determined as the official state religion. Again, a very, very extreme under understanding of secularism. Now, in, on March 29th, 2019, now think of, remember that history for a second, because as Quebec puts forward Bill 21, it formally bans teachers, police officers, judges, and others from wearing the hijab, turbans, kippahs, and crucifixes in, their, in the course of their duties as well. It requires citizens to have their faces shown when accessing public services like public transit and the legal system. The four main principles of this policy are, of the bill are the separation of the state and religion, the religious neutrality of the state, equality of all citizens, and freedom of conscience and of religion. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? The bill that put, that Bill 21 that the Quebec government put forward is almost a direct, um, you know, translation, no, a direct hearkening back to the French Revolution of 1789. It was so interesting when I was reading this because I saw the parallels between Bill 21 and the French Revolution of 1789. It's wild. Further, the proposed legislation states, quote, personnel members of a body must exercise their functions with their face uncovered and persons who present themselves to receive a service from such a personnel member must have their face uncovered when doing so is necessary to allow their identity to be verified for security reasons. Now, again, this is very important to understand the theory and the thought behind Bill 21 that the Quebec government is undertaking. Again, it is not, from what I understand at least, about um, racism and, and Islamophobia. I'll get into that in a second. It's more so about this pursuit for secularism. Now, why some people might think this as Islamophobic or uh, anti-Islam is because of the fact that the bill has chapters in it dedicated to the fact that there are... Um, uh, like, for example, as I just mentioned, face coverings, head scarves cannot be worn in accessing public services, so like public transit. So in many ways, face coverings are a direct um, point to 
the uh, certain members of the Islamic community. And so that's where the bill can be determined as anti-Islam in some cases. Now, of course, this isn't the case for um, other uh, religions, but this is the interpretation by some, as well as I can understand why um, some think this, because of the way in which the bill is written. What's also important here is... um, So I think a few things about this. First of all, I think that before the Quebec government put forward Bill 21, it should really look back at history, specifically what the French government experienced in the 80s and the 90s. So the French government took the term laïcité and it applied it more broadly. And in fact, it applied it to students and it banned students who are attending publicly funded schools from wearing religious garments or cultural garments. So like the kippah, the yarmulke, turbans, hijabs, niqabs, those were all banned. But what happened was that throughout the late 1980s and early 1990s, Muslim students, specifically female Muslim students, protested. Many complaints were raised by Muslim parents and uh, students saying that the hijab was their cultural and religious choice that no man was forcing them to wear it, and they shouldn't be denied education as a result of that. As well, Jewish students also raised concerns when they were banned from wearing the kippah, but the director of a publicly funded school noted that the display of religious attire goes against the neutrality of public schools and is an ideological pressure over the pupils and disturbs the relationship between teachers and pupils. So we can see that there is... In French society at the time, in France, this pursuit towards increased secularism almost at any cost. And so there is a belief, even amongst the school at the time, that by wearing the hijab, there is this pressure that is inflicted on other students, and it may in fact disturb the relationship between the teacher and the student because of the wearing of this religious symbol. And so to me, it's interesting because, you know, again, growing up in Canada, I could care less what you wear. It doesn't affect me, you know, and it shouldn't affect people, I think, what religious attire you wear. But I'm trying to understand Bill 21, and the way I can understand it is that there is this purest support for secularism in every sense of the term, but how can we apply this pure secularism? How can we ask people of our society to remove religion and their cultural practices from their interaction with the state? I mean, that, that that's a pretty tall order. I mean, removing your headscarf and, and face coverings from accessing public transit? Look, I live in Toronto, and I don't see anything strange about someone wearing a niqab and coming on the TTC bus. I just, you need to get around. I need to get around. I really don't care too much as long as you're not, you know, infringing on my rights and freedoms. But there's this pursuit for pure secularism, which is is quite, quite uh, interesting because, again, it goes back to the French Revolution and the aspects of the French Revolution. So what do I think about all of this? Well, I think that, you know, it's important that the French government, that the Quebec government learn from the French government, number one, And that Francois Legault, the leader of the CAQ uh, Coalition Avenir, man, my my French is so bad. You know, this is a side story. I did uh, 
Jexplore, for those that don't know what Jexplore is, it's a French immersion program in university for six weeks. You're, you're in um, a small town in Quebec and you learn French. I was so good at French at that point. I used to, I used to speak French so freely and then I come back to Toronto and I forgot how to speak English. And now it's like, it's escaped me, but I know it's somewhere up there, Chris, you gotta just focus. Um, but anyhow, I just want to say that, um, the Quebec government really needs to listen and learn from the French government. Um, this pursuit towards pure secularism can be met with a lot of resistance. There is um, a lot of unrest in France right now, especially amongst the Muslim communities, towards the French government. Um, and so one can only imagine that this pursuit of secularism has something to do with it. And so I think with the coalition Avenir and with Francois Legault, you know, Francois Legault openly said he doesn't think Islamophobia is a problem. He doesn't see it as a problem in society. But as I've said in previous podcasts, um, uh, hate-based crime, hate-based attacks against Muslims in Quebec have tripled between 2016 and 2017. Now, I know the numbers are still low compared to the uh, population of Quebec, but it's suffice to say that, and of course, you know, more studies need to be, over more years need to be shown to show an actual trend, but it's important that our leaders at least at the same time understand that, you know, hate crimes are rising against Muslims. And perhaps Bill 2021 might further that. And so there's some sensitivities that needs to be uh, uh, taken into account. And perhaps the insensitivity or the perceived insensitivity is what is leading a lot of groups to feel this type of way towards the government, that they are simply not responding um, meaningfully to the already um, isolation that many uh, religious groups throughout Canada, mostly in Quebec, face. And, um, you know, there's a lot of studies on Muslims in Canada and their their feelings and their sentiments towards being Canadian. Um, but that sense of isolation is also quite high. So it's really important that when we're trying to, you know, in the pursuit of secularism, that, you know, we proceed with a lot of caution, that this is a very sensitive issue. It can come across as racist. It can come across as Islamophobic. It can come across as anti, you know, as infringing on someone's right to freely practice their religion. And so I think perhaps the other big issue is, you know, just across the river in Ontario, there is no ban on religious symbols. And so, um, you know, that, that there might be some resentment. And so I, I would encourage the CAQ to learn from the French government, proceed with caution, think long and hard about Bill 21 a little bit more, understand what, you know, small wins you can do for the communities in which you work with. You know, maybe there doesn't need to be a chapter on headscarves and accessing public transit. You know, maybe you should take that out, right? Um, maybe, you know, uh, of course people think, yeah, you know, your face shouldn't be covered if you're going in for a passport or driver's license or health care card, of course. But maybe there's a way in which you do that in a more respectful way where people feel respected. Anyhow... I hope this episode has provided you with just a little bit more about Bill 21, looking at it from what guided the provincial government to making it. And again, I believe that with this pursuit towards secularism, 
you know, while hearkening back to the uh, aspects of the French Revolution, it may be met with severe, um, you know, many groups, Jewish groups, Sikh groups, Muslim groups, feeling more isolated already in their societies. And so the Quebec government will really need to think about long and hard about how it's going to make sure that those groups uh, do not feel that way and do more outreach to those groups. But anyhow, that's it from me. I really hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode. Check out my medium.com article on this exact same topic. I'll be tweeting about it this week, Instagram, Facebooking it, everything you can think of. And again, thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay balanced, stay informed. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Strong and Free, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the information that you need on the topics of the day. And remember, stay balanced, stay informed.